Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avenir Show. This is the first episode in the year 2024. Happy New Year's to everybody. Happy New Year's to my main man, Pop DiBiase. I am Mike Avenir, of course. And we got a lot of sports to talk about. Maybe even some social commentary. Maybe even some barbershop talk. Pop, happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Mike. How's everything with you? Uh, you know, just grinding, man. Well, you know how it is, man. It's four days into the year. You know, you can't sit around. Precisely. Because you started, we started the new, it's never good when you start the new year's on a Monday. Hmm. It's funny. It, it, you start on a week, it's different, you know, but you start on a Monday, you got to go straight to work the next day. Yep. You got to yep. get through five days of grind. Right, so whoever was celebrating Michigan and Washington, it was short-lived, so hopefully they didn't get too hungover the night before um, they had to go back to work. Let's start with that game. Well, Michigan, really, um, you know, they, 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 they showed up. They showed up, and they performed, and they did what they needed to do. But... Do you think they have the firepower to be able to hang with UW? I think that, you know, Michigan's an old school type of situation. You know what I mean? Three yards in a cloud of dust. Defense that it tries to choke you out with physicality and great pass rushing and fit and being tough and all that good stuff. They're a throwback of what football was. And Washington's a, a what modern day football is right now when these things clash it usually favors the teams that go with the old school style and all that good stuff but really in this situation right here it's a real toss them up but michigan's gonna get all the favoritism because they got the the bigger uh fan base they got the bigger tradition and we all know michigan is one of the most winningest teams of all time when it comes to uh college football i think they are the winningest program of all time but that's just because they've been playing since what uh 18 70 something so you you'll get that and they dominated a lot of bad teams over that time as well too before they the big 10 came into existence and all that good stuff but that doesn't take anything away from the tradition and the history that michigan is but washington and michigan have a history as is they played in uh prior rose bowls that settled national championships so they've been here before and they've always been great matchups between those two teams so it's going to be another great matchup but i really tend to favor to washington because i like the way that this team is set up mike Penix jr was an absolute star when he was at indiana his freshman year he tears his acl he goes into the portal he becomes washington's quarterback and he be and he prevails they build something here now we get to the final season of, with this group and guess what here we are they're sitting at the top of the mountain in the final year of the Pac-12, representing the Pac-12 in the national championship game, and there's nothing bigger than this right now. And the game is going to be um, – the game is in uh, Glendale this year, isn't it? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, so the game's going to be in Arizona, too. So that's Pac-12 uh, country. So it's going to be huge. It's going to be a big game. You're going to have a lot of Michigan fans there. You're going to have a lot of uh, Washington fans there. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a game that's going to be exactly what you want your national championship to be. If we would have had Georgia here, just be ready for them to win by 30 or more points because that's just how good Georgia is, um, period, point blank. But you never know. But at the end of the day, Georgia did prove a big point when they beat Florida State last week. And, you know, you kind of feel bad that they got left out of the situation. But at the end of the day, we had a much better Final Four without them. Yeah. And I mean, look, Florida State didn't didn't even show up to that game. You know, they they didn't even. They made their 13-0 record look bad. And I know they didn't have; they weren't at full strength, but nonetheless, their defense couldn't stop Georgia, and their offense couldn't get Jack going. <laughs> you know, right. uh, but you know, I think you're right. I think they got the, the final four, you know, spot on. I know there's always going to be bitching and complaining and whining, but I think they got the right four teams, man. And proof of that is in how competitive these games were. You know, we're talking overtime. We're talking nail biter. We're talking back and forth, slugfest type stuff. And I think you you hit it on the head when you're talking about the contrasting styles between the two programs and between the two, you know, coaching philosophies, the two. Uh, how they're set up in terms of offense, especially, you know, Washington is like a modern day offense. Michigan is kind of a throwback to the years of, of past, past, but they also could throw the rock a little bit too, you know? So it should be a really, really fun matchup. I, I tend to agree that typically the team with the defense and, and the running game that can control the clock has an advantage, but I think they're just going up against a really hot team. I think Washington right now is just rolling. And I, I, I let me ask you this: What stopping Washington means? What? Like, did you stop Washington if they only score twenty-seven? If they score twenty-four? Like how much? How much? How many points does Michigan need to win this game? In my opinion, Michigan needs over thirty points to win this game because they're going to get exposed in the back end. Nobody has a passing game like uh, the uh, Huskies do, and that's because they have the best, some of the best route runners in the nation right now. But I'm gonna keep it real with you. Um, from what I saw, I know I'm kind of jumping out of uh, the question, but Texas probably has the most NFL-ready players in, in their group, and I just can't really can't believe Washington beat them. I feel like they beat a much, ta- much more talented team than Michigan has. Michigan's a great college team, but if I do have to select the quarterback out of all four of them, I love J.J. McCarthy. I think that he's the best pro 
prospect out the group because he's a guy who can manage the game. And, you know, uh, you look at Penix, he has to be a game changer when he gets to the NFL. But all in all, I think they need to score 30 points because the back end of that defense is going to really, really be tested. Because when you have great route runners, it doesn't matter how great your defense has been all season. If the guys can get past you and he can see that, then it's going to be good because I think that when you look at Penix, his vision is absolutely the reason why he is where he's at. You know what I mean? His vision is absolutely incredible. You know, and when he, the way he sees the field, he sees the field just like how you're supposed to see the field when you have a high IQ at the quarterback position. I know that's what scouts are going crazy about. But the way that those throws are getting made, those are all just something that are kind of already predetermined. But he's been doing this for a long time, as is. So the college game has gotten pretty easy to him. It's not going to be the same when he gets to the next level. This is just what happens when you spend five, six years in college as well, too, and you're a starter as well. Oh, tremendous point. Totally yep. agree with you, man. And totally just like agree with that, you. And me and Mike, both had a little bit of a disagreement with the Twitter uh, person. And then what happens in the Alabama Michigan game, you see that yes, Milrow is a superb athlete. He is a excellent athlete, but he's an average quarterback because if he wasn't an average quarterback, why do we drop a run play on fourth and goal in overtime? Come on, let's, let's, let's be, let's be real now. You did that because that's the best possible play for this type of player because he might not be able to get that ball out quick enough to make the right pass. That's the thing, and that's what uh, people have to get out of their feelings about. It's not about the race of a quarterback. It's not about the motion of a quarterback. It's about the decision-making of, of the quarterback, but really about the mentality of the quarterback and the IQ and the vision of the quarterback. And you know what? At the end of the day, Milrose is a very average quarterback when it comes to being a quarterback but when it comes to being an athlete he's superior but when you have a great group like that over at Alabama they really can go ahead and uh clean up your flaws and that's exactly what you saw there throughout that whole game and then when it came down to him having to be to do something clutch and crunch he wasn't able to do it because the thing is he's not built for that type of situation yeah and look he doesn't have like the experience and or track record in those spots to be able to build off of. And I think that's kind of important. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. We already know that Saban, if he trusts somebody, he'll let them rip, let it rip. You remember at halftime a few years back, he brought in this guy that nobody knew how to pronounce his name, Tua, and he lit it up in the second half and he was bombs away. So Saban and company they they gauge what they got. They know exactly what they got. And uh, and I think they also understand the limitations on certain guys. And I think they identified that, and you're exactly right. That's why they went with a, a play call that was uh, kind of suited to the team's strength uh, and not the lack of experience for the quarterback. That was That was, to them, the winning play. Didn't work out, but that was how they went with it. And ultimately, if you don't have that go-to play down there, tough to win a championship. You can make it through regular season, 
conference games, stuff like that. But it's it's tough to win a championship like that. And you know, Saban understands that they'll be back next year. They're a machine. They're probably in the Final Four next year again. It's a well-oiled machine, not just a machine. You know, they got, like, freshmen right now that could, like, start at San Diego State. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be fine. I'm looking over here. What is, the, what is the line for this championship game, Pop? I had it, and then my screen froze. You know what the line is? Yeah, it's four and a half to Michigan. Over under uh, 56 and a half. So they're gauging on 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 Michigan to actually score because they're going to have to score. That's the whole thing because Penix is not going to get shut down. Penix has already beat Michigan in his career at Indiana. So, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, that was a different Michigan team. No, it's still Jim Harbaugh. It's still... Michigan is still their style of play, and he's not. He's going to go into this game fearless. That's the whole thing. And, and and that Indiana team wasn't all that, right? But they were ranked when he was there. That's the whole thing. He was a superstar. He was uh, he was a Heisman hopeful for until he blew his knee out. Mm-hmm. So you know they weren't all that, but he put them on a different level, though. That's the whole thing. And there's another point I want to make about. This Jim Harbaugh situation, everybody's, uh, oh, you're naked in woods and all this. Look, Mike knows me really well. The Chargers are not my team, okay? But I do cover the Chargers. I do do something called the Bolt Report weekly because I cover the Chargers because there's no bias to the Chargers and things like that. I report on the Chargers and see what uh, they were weekly basis because they're the local team. I am not for Jim Harbaugh coming to Los Angeles to be their coach. I think Jim Harbaugh needs to stay at Michigan and take his punishment like a man because he's a god at Michigan. You have to understand, if he comes to the Chargers and they go nine and eight two years in a row, then it's going to be a waste of money for the Spanos family, and they do not want to put up $20 million a year for a coach that has no hardware. You can't use that Rose Bowl win and that NFC Championship win as a way to say that Harbaugh deserves the world he has to win this national championship on monday night to really solidify himself as a guy that you can trust to take your team to the next level harbaugh has never won a title okay he almost got fired at michigan through in this decade ohio state motorboated him nine times before he beat him so let's not play the dumb let's not play the game let's not do that because harbaugh when you invest in Harbaugh, it's almost like investing in the Charlie Weisses of the world. You know what I mean? And the Jaguar, uh, yeah, he did a good job with the San Francisco 49ers, but how did they finish, Mike? Well, I mean, they won the first team in football when, they, when he left and, and jumped ship. Why would you want to coach like that? Because when the going gets tough, it ain't all about uh, what, what, what was it saying? Uh, they, nobody got it better than us, but when the going gets tough, oh, I'm out of here. Oh, but when the next opportunity comes, I'm out of here. So I don't know if this is going to – I don't know if you just hand Harbaugh to the Chargers because that's who you want to want to be their coach. I would think that, once again, they're going to play it cheap. And then when I say, okay, Eric Bieniemy should be the coach, everybody, no, 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 not Bieniemy. What do you mean not Bieniemy? 
My thing is like this. It's like Harbaugh does not deserve as much accolade as they're giving him. You have not done enough to say that you are one of these coaches that we will overpay. You have not won a Super Bowl at all. That team was already built up to be great. Harbaugh did a great job with that squad, but it fell apart after that. So what are we talking about here at the end of the day? And Brandon well, Let's Jacobs talk about the other side. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. You got it. I was just going to say, let's talk about the other side. Why would he want to leave? Yeah, he wants to explore, you know, uh, other possibilities, perhaps. Maybe if he wins the championship, he feels that he's, you know, climbed that mountain. He's at the mountaintop, and he delivered what he promised Michigan. I could see that. But think about it this way. You know, I was talking about Saban having a stacked team. Got freshmen that could start just about anywhere else in the country, you know, Michigan's not that far off. And if you think about it, Pop, Michigan and Alabama, they have first-round draft picks every year. Every year they've got their choice of first-round draft picks. And think about that for a second. They got recruiting. They can get the best of the best. Just based on who they are, the reputation, the universe, the money that the school has, the nils that they can offer, right? It's unlimited potential. Versus going to an NFL team, you get one pick, you know, you're going to get a shitty team. That's why they don't have a coach. And you're going to do all that. Why? In an ultra-competitive NFL, when you've got a really cush situation, do you know what I mean? Like, like it take it could take a while for him to turn the charges around because he's going to want his type of guys in there. He's going to want his type of O-line, his type of defensive players. You know, uh, m- maybe he wants to move off of uh, move on from Eckler. Maybe he wants to shed some salary. He wants the team to look like his image, like his style, his touch. He doesn't want to lose with the last guy's guys because the last guy's guys are the ones that got him fired. So, again, I come back to you got a situation where you have yearly first-rounders when you're at Michigan or when you're at Alabama. You got the pick of the litter, my man. Why would you want to leave that? He's already established so much. That that, was the- that's my pick. You know, let's take a quick time out, Pop. We'll come back and uh, finish up on the Bama, Michigan, Washington. We haven't even talked about Texas yet. Uh, drama. Stay with us, everyone. We will be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Harrison Bader signs with the New York Mets. I'm just reading it off the ticker here on the MLB network. Next one here says Lucas Giolito officially signs one-year deal with an option for 2025. Starting to warm up to baseball a little bit. Pitchers and catchers are going to report in about a month and a week. You know, call it five weeks. Excited for baseball again. But for now, we still have football. Just a quick thought on on Texas's performance and where they go from here. Texas, if they would have just been, if Texas didn't go touchdown for touchdown and then have a little stretch where they didn't score for three four possessions, see their defense just gave up too many points, bro. That's all it was at the end of the day. And Texas, I'm telling you right now, probably had the most NFL ready players out of everybody. They were exciting. Their receiving core, exciting. Their running back uh, group, exciting. Quinn Ors can really play the game. He's a, he's a dual threat. That was absolutely a gem for this team. Steve Sarkeesian has a bright future heading into the SEC. And I'm telling you right now, everybody's talking about, oh, well, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, they're going to be probably bottom of the barrel. No, they're not Texas A&M, sir. Not at all. This is the the Texas is right where they belong now in the SEC because now they can go at these other now they can recruit like they used to when the Big Twelve was a very powerful conference. Oklahoma's coming in as well too. They actually bolster up the SEC and they actually give the SEC an even better look because at the end of the day, LSU, 
Florida, all these teams kind of are now becoming three or four lost teams every season. When you bring in somebody like Texas and Oklahoma, you know that these teams got the possibility of going one or, losing one or two games. So this was a good measurement for them to show who they exactly are going into their new conference. And they're going to be great. And this is going to be great for Texas because they were getting bored in the Big 12. That's why teams in the Big 12 were doing what they did to them because they got bored playing against these teams now they can go ahead and get back their rivalries with teams like arkansas texas a&m they got oklahoma still still here as well too they can go ahead and play missouri once again it's going to be a lot of fun with uh texas moving on but this team really really did show that hey if we didn't make a few mistakes here and there we should be playing on Monday night against uh, Michigan. And I'm going to tell you like this, if Texas would have lined it up with Michigan, it's a whole different uh, spread. It's a whole different ball game. I really would think that, honestly, Texas would have wiped the floor with Michigan on Monday night, to be honest with you, bro, to be for real, for real, at the end of the day. Because Washington was doing everything to lose at the end of that game. And just uh, it was a misfortunate uh, situation for Texas. Right. No, you're 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 totally reading my my thoughts while I was watching that game. I was kind of feeling the exact same way that you described right there. Yeah, Texas. But, was- I oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying Texas was awesome. That's it. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I was just going to say I want to expand on what you said for a minute, but I don't want to take up too much time and then run out of time. I was going to expand on what you're talking about in terms of the number of NFL ready guys on the Texas squad. I'll just leave it at, uh, you're right. We're going to see a lot of these guys at the next level playing on Sundays and uh, props to Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian had some issues. Sounds like he's turned the corner and resolved them. You know, I like it when somebody gets a second chance and rebounds. So good for him. Uh, I'm rooting for those guys. In terms of the conference realignment, I'll I'll leave it at this. It would be very fitting if a Pac-12 team wins the championship this year. That's all I'm going to say. It would be very fitting. Very unusual. Very much... The, the what in the world? Why? Nostalgia. All of those things. But hey, man, the powers that be, this is what they want. You know, the greed factors at an all time high in college football. You know, now let's see what you can do in terms of getting us an expanded playoff. Now that you've organized it in this manner. Let's get 16 teams in it. Heck, let's get 24 teams in it. Let's have a real playoff. Don't give me this nonsense about finals and stuff like that. Because it doesn't matter when, if you are going to make money off of them, you'll play them on the day of a final. I don't care. I'm not buying it. Give us a playoff where we could see a couple rounds of this stuff because that, that, because Monday was awesome. Monday was a lot of fun. Right, but they got to make sure it's paired right. Because at the end of the day, man, the best team is going to win, dude. 
And if we, you know, you're the number one team in the nation and you dominated everybody throughout the year, it'd be just like how it used to be. It, it, but it just brings a little bit more parity to it. It brings a little bit more excitement to it. And it just gives people more to watch. That's it. No doubt. Yeah, in, terms of, in terms of pressure-filled uh, pressure games, NFL closing weekend, Phil a lot of seeding situation up for grabs, a couple of division titles that are up for grabs. We'll talk about some of these matchups. Before we do, though, kind of find it interesting that McVay is sitting his starters. Now, they they can they can lose a seed spot and go from the uh, number six seed to the number seven seed. Now, if they do that and things hold form, they would be going up against Dallas instead of Detroit. So is it possible that he wants to lose so that they can match up with Dallas? Because he definitely doesn't seem like he wants to win if he's sitting all his starters. What say you? Um... McVeigh is more worried about. I think McVeigh wants to do a little bit of evaluation, a little bit, see what he has in Carson Wentz because there's a possibility he might have to go to this guy. You know, you got to say Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford can get hurt at any moment. Um, you look at this one and you say to yourself that, you know, the Rams are pretty happy that they're in the playoffs right now. Um, you look at the 49ers, they know that they have a bye. So this will be a game where people can go ahead and show and prove, see if they can get themselves an extra contract, you know, get themselves a contract next year. That's what it's all about, man, at the end of the day. Yeah, but, but the last time you saw a team sitting their guys when they have a chance to fall to a lower seed. I don't, I don't, remember, I don't remember ever seeing that. We can't. You know, so, you know, basically what you're saying is, we don't care if we go down from number six seed to the number seven seed. In fact, we want that to happen. We'd rather go up against Dallas than Detroit. That's what it tells me. That's what it tells me. And if you're so blatant about it, Dallas should be offended. That should be bulletin board material. Hey, guys. They didn't start their guys so they could match up, so they can lose, so they can match up with us. We need to go kick their ass. It's just very interesting to me that McVeigh is taking that approach. Another team that's probably going to be sitting in their starters because it truly doesn't matter is Baltimore. Now, Baltimore has everything wrapped up. Home field advantage. They're the number one seed. There's really nothing in question with them. Where, where the issue comes when you're talking about Baltimore is in their opponent. That matchup is significant in terms of who gets into the playoffs. And as I'm opening up the, uh, the weekend's games, if you give me a moment here, we're talking about the Steelers and the Ravens. 
if the Steelers go in and win, it could be kind of a miraculous turnaround for the Steelers to get to the playoffs and finish 10 and 7. And if Baltimore sits their starters, the Steelers have a legitimate shot. Now, if they do that and Buffalo loses, imagine this. Buffalo might be out of the playoffs. They could win and be the two seed, or they could lose and be out of the playoffs. Mm. So that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game is pretty important. But, again, Baltimore's sitting their guys. So interesting to see how that goes. That's a Saturday game, by the way, folks. The other Saturday game is the Texans versus the Colts. That's uh, possibly a matchup for the division title. Mm-hmm. The other team that's competing for that division, the Jaguars, they have to go on the road and play a Titans team that probably wants to close out the season strong. They probably want to fight for Rabel. Uh, Rabel wants to get that W. If he's out the door, if it's his last home game there, he wants to get the job done. So Saturday, we've got some intriguing games. But Sunday, that's when we get the granddaddy of them all. And I want to start with Miami and Buffalo. It's the last game of the 2023 season. That's going to be the night game on Sunday Night Football, NBC, 5.20 Pacific time start. Are the Bills as hot as people think? Because right now, I'm not seeing them getting the ball to Stephon Diggs. I think that Josh Allen is still error-prone. I am not buying their defense. I'm not buying their running game. But yet, they've been winning. What's your take on on Buffalo? Buffalo, I told y'all what was going to happen. When we get to December, they're not going to lose. I told everybody, they were like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I was like, no, they're going to cut it on. But it's going to come to, down to the last week of the season, and I knew the scenario was going to wind up being like this, and it's going to come down to the last week of the season for this team that really proved us who exactly who they are. Because you want they want to put everything in Buffalo's court, but they're not playing in Buffalo. They're playing in Miami, a place where they've had a lot of issues at. And I keep saying to myself, I've took, I've already taken Miami to win this game on Saturday. I mean, on Sunday. And I feel like you got to take Miami is because Miami's like a horse that got out to a great lead in the race. And they got out really, really far. And here comes Buffalo trying to get you at the wire. And I don't feel like uh, the Dolphins need to lay down for Buffalo and, and, you know, become a six seed. The Dolphins deserve to win the AFC East because they played well enough to where they should win the AFC East. You know what I mean, Mike? At the end of the day, they shouldn't settle to just because they're in the playoffs. They're in position to be the division champion. They did the heavy lifting. They did everything that they have to do. There's a lot of pressure on the Bills here. And if I'm telling you right now, if the Bills mess around and miss this playoff, McDermott is done. He is through. He is through, through. And I think that even in this playoff stretch, if they don't perform well, he's done. 
That's the whole thing, because at the end of the day, how much more can you afford with the bills? The bills did overspend and they're not getting anything back on what they spent on. But this is going to be a huge game. The Bills know this is their biggest game of the season. The Dolphins know that they they can lose and it's okay. But why would you not want to have home field advantage? Why would you not want to be able to play in Miami in front of your faithful fans and have yourself a great game? That's my biggest question. In terms of the head coach, I'm going to throw some numbers out at you. Mm. If they win, this would be the fourth straight division title for Buffalo. Mm. That's that's hasn't been matched since the Jim Kelly days. Okay, in December and January combined, they are eighteen and two since twenty twenty. Eighteen and two in December and January games. They've won thirteen straight games in December and January. They now have 10 wins, 10 wins in five straight seasons. I don't think, I don't think the head coach should go. You know, who's better that you can replace them with? Yeah. You, know, you yeah. might get an unproven guy like, like the enemy, who's an offensive guru, but he hasn't been there before. Why, why would you mess with something that's, that's working, though? This team is winning a lot of games. And I've seen it over and over again where teams get antsy because they haven't got over the hump. They get rid of the guy that's been doing a great job. They bring in somebody else. He's got a lot of pressure on him because he's got to outplay, outdo McDermott. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, especially if it's a first-time head coach. You know, because everybody's going to be like, hey, man, this team has won 10 games. They don't lose in December and January. So implicitly, it's Super Bowl or bust. With that said, Miami's dinged up, bro. Miami's really dinged up. Some unfortunate injuries. Bradley Chubb, whom they got from the Denver Broncos, who was a really nice piece. Uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I'm not sure what Waddle's situation is. I think he's still questionable. Raheem Mostert, questionable. Devon Echain, questionable. Tyree Kill, questionable. Javon Holland, questionable. Teron Armstead, questionable. I could go on and on. Xavier Howard, which would be a biggie. He's doubtful. Chubb, which I already mentioned, is out. And they lost Jalen Phillips, which was really big, uh, a few weeks back. So this team is pretty banged up. And as we've seen, without Waddle in there, Tyreek has been kind of like pushed around a little bit. He hasn't been the cheetah that we know because Waddle really opens up opportunities, you know, because he's a great wide receiver. But when he's not in there, you know, they can kind of key in on Tyreek. So those are some of the issues that are presented. Pop, let's take our final timeout. We'll come back, talk more NFL right after this. 
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. No, we haven't really talked much about it, but we got a phone number, guys. For anybody that's listening live, give us a jingle. Throw out a question. Bring up a debate. Let's do it. We invite you all to participate with Pop and I. Pop, at the start of the show, I was talking about a couple of signings. You know, I was talking about the Giolito signing uh, with with the Red Sox and Harrison Bader, Gold Glove winner with the New York Mets. Two signings that haven't happened yet, both kind of like some pretty important pieces. Josh Hader, closer from the Padres, and J.D. Martinez, who was maybe the best surprise, you know, great performer of last season for the Dodgers. I I think he way outperformed expectations. You know, I thought maybe like the Red Sox moved off of him because he's, you know, not just over, not just he's highly paid, but is maybe over, you know, on, on the backside of his career. You know, he's he's you know done. But man, JD Martinez had a fantastic season, man. He had a season like he's in his prime. What are your thoughts about Hader and JD Martinez? Where do you think they end up? Martinez probably winds up in uh he might wind up back with you guys in uh Boston, but 
Uh, I would think that possibly he could wind up with the Cubs, who who would, would welcome another great hitter. Um, you know, the Giants always love to have a guy like uh, J.D. Martinez there so they can try to get some tips off the Dodgers and things like that. Or he could go ahead and be, you know, the the uh, big signing for a team like the, uh, he, you know, you could go to the Diamondbacks as well, too. There's, there's a lot of options for J.D. Martinez because he's a great bat. The Dodgers just had to move on because it's a lot of money that the Dodgers got spreading out, man. And it's just, I think that, you know, they, they understood that, you know, they were bringing in Shotani, so they weren't worried about bringing back J.D. Martinez like that. But they know that he he does warrant a, a certain contract and he'll get it. I would love to see him down with the Marlins. That would be a good, good look for him because the Marlins need a type of hitter like J.D. Martinez to give them a very sound cleanup man, if if you would like to say the word. You know, and then um, that's how I see it. What about Hater? Hater. Reliever. So he can fit anywhere. He can go anywhere he wants to pretty much, but I would love to see the Dodgers try to uh, kick the tires on that situation, but I would say this. If you're the Angels, this might be a smart move for you as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah, because we can't forget about the Angels. The Angels do have a good manager coming in with uh, Ron Washington. I think that he's going to turn this team around, not like where they're going to be the leaders of the ALS, which possibly can still happen, but he's going to boost that confidence up a little bit. And I think that Mike Trout is on his way to having a much better season than he did last year. Yeah, agreed. You know, the interesting thing is this. I've always felt that when players change leagues, you know, they're at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. you know, because like a starting pitcher, you know, knew the hitters and stuff. Or if you're a hitter, you knew the pitchers. Now you're changing leagues. So I've always expected that there's a chance that the move doesn't work out. Now, with that said, I think it is intriguing that he would go to the Angels because an exception to the changing of leagues theory that I've got is for a hard-throwing reliever who's only going to come in and throw the ball 8, 10, 12 times. So it's not like he's getting into a groove and going through a lineup, and then now they've seen him once, they've seen him twice through. Maybe this is a third at bat against him. They can evaluate. They can go back and and look at their their, – film the video of their bat. Now, this is, he's coming in the ninth. That's it. And I think a closer that's a hard-throwing closer can come in. He will have the advantage in this situation because a lot of those guys haven't seen him. So where typically the new guy to a league is at a disadvantage, I think this is one of the rare exceptions where the reliever would be an advantage. So I think the Angels would be a really good move, man. Yeah, the Angels to me, I'm 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 just saying that I feel like they can make some 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 quiet moves that would be pretty good, but it's going to be their farm system that's going to uh be able to it's going to be the young talent that's going to it's give us a really good idea about who they're going to be. Taylor Ward looks to be like he's going to be the next big star with the Angels and everything like that. 
And I feel like if the Angels are in a position where they're not a really good team this year, it should be time to move on from Mike Trout. So you can go ahead and get yourself some assets and you don't have to waste his uh, the downside of his career, the uh, twilight of his career either. That's the whole thing, because I think that's what's probably possibly happening next with the Angels if they can't kick it into high gear this year, because they just got to figure out a way to collect to collect some assets, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna uh, win the bid on on Otani, then it kind of begs the question, you know, why keep Mike Trout then? So you, you got worse by not having Otani. You got worse. So at that point, I would say get some assets back for Trout. I know he's a franchise guy. He came up through the organization. But it just doesn't make sense to me to keep one. We, we, you weren't great with both. You weren't great with both guys on your team. Now, you cut it in half. They're going to be less than what they were. You might as well get something for a trout. The time is now. Because if he has right. another in- injury-filled season, his value is going to plummet. That's kind of my take on the Mike Trout situation and the California, Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels. I do like Wash. I think Ron Washington is a player's manager. You know, all those Braves guys love working with him on infield mechanics. He'll take the time one-on-one with these guys. He's the exact type of manager that the angels need right now i think i think he can make some noise obviously he's in a tough division because they got both play five teams in there you get what hold on my yeah the, they got both texas teams in that division the rangers and the astros so i think that washington has an opportunity to be able to kind of like insert his name into the mix you know, as being a top manager again, because let's not forget, at one point in time, he was one of the top managers in American League. You know, he led the uh, the Rangers to some really, really good seasons in the early 2010s. He had an unfortunate situation, which uh, cost him his job. Uh, but I think he's paid his dues. He's, he's uh, you know, he's m- made amends for the situation. And I'm glad that Washington is getting another shot. So we'll be interesting to see, though. Are they bringing him in to develop youngsters? Or are they bringing him in because they genuinely think that they've got enough youngsters, enough firepower, that they could overtake the Texas teams, the Rangers and Astros? I don't know. I think that's premature because they don't really have a pitching staff. But we will see. I know that they have some exciting young players you know, a uh, couple infielders. They got that catcher before he got hurt. He was he was fantastic. You know, um, and they got some outfield depth. I think one question that I've got is this: It's a hypothetical. Let's say Shohei Otani was able to pitch this year. Would the Angels have re-signed him? That's that's kind of the the, the question. Joey Otani was able to pitch in 2024. 
would the Angels re-sign him? I, I kind of tend to think that they would. But uh, saying on course here, you know, the bottom line is this when it comes to the Angels. They've been stuck in mediocrity for a long time. You know, and to their credit, they've invested a lot of money over the years. Big-time free agents. They've spent the money. They've opened up their wallets. The Josh Hamiltons of the world all the way, uh, you know, pitchers, hitters, you name it. They've gone for anything and everything to try to make this team a better team. They went for Rendon after he won the World Series with Washington. You know, I could name so many free agents that they tried to land. Hasn't worked out. How about Madden? You know, after Sosha, they went for the big name, big ticket manager. You know, they they went for Shohei Otani. Like the Angels have their hearts in the right place. They've got after a lot of quality guys and a lot of big time free agents. I think to their discredit, I think their free agent signings haven't turned out well because their due diligence process is kind of weak. Why do I say that? Because none of the free agents pan out. They all fizzle out. From Josh Hamilton to Rendon, none of those guys gave them what they bargained for. Even Pools. They went for Pools. He was never the same guy as he was in St. Louis. So that's kind of my take on the situation. Uh, Seeing that we have a very short time left here on the show, I want to give out a couple of quick picks, if I may, for this weekend. I like the Browns getting plus seven from Cincinnati. I know the Browns are going to sit their starters. Seven points is a lot. You know, let's not forget Cincinnati's on some backups too. So even if the Browns are are utilizing backups, so is Cincinnati. So seven points, division rival, Battle of Ohio. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to lose by seven or more points. Uh, I like I like the Saints at home. I think they get the job done. Don't tell me nothing. And I think that uh, the last one that I like is. Let's see here. Miami getting three. Uh, Miami man. getting three points at home. Anyway, folks, that's all the time we've got. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to my man, Jordan. Thank you to Pop Dibiasi. Most of all, thank you, the listeners. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.